me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I'm joined by journalist Chris Keelick. He writes for a few different outlets, including Distorted Sound magazine, which you can find a link to in the episode description. Chris and I talk a wide variety of Metallica-related topics, from how he got into the band, to playing their songs on the old rock band video game, to his opinion on different albums, different eras, his opinion on the underrated falsetto of James Heffields. We really talk a wide variety of Metallica-related topics. I am not kidding there. It was a blast to speak to Chris. I'm hoping he will join us again here, so I hope you enjoy our conversation. We talked a little bit about this, but I met him through frequent guest Richard S. He, and I mention that now because Richard will be joining me yet again for the return of Metallicast Live. We'll be doing a spooky Halloween-inspired live stream on the at Metallicast Pod Facebook page and the Fans.Experts YouTube page this Friday, October 23rd at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So please tune in and get scared. But now here is my conversation with Chris Keeler. My guest today is a fellow Metallica fan as well as a rock and metal journalist. Currently, he is a writer for Distorted Sound magazine. Please welcome to Metallicast, Chris Keeler. Chris, how are you, man? Brandon, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm doing great. I'm very excited to dive in here and uh, ready to talk Metallica. Awesome. I'm super excited to talk about Metallica with you, but I have to start on sort of a not sort of a definite sad note. Uh, at the time we're recording this, it is the day after we found out about the passing of Eddie Van Halen. You know, I want to just send condolences out to the family. I mean, I, I, I wrote a little something on Twitter. He was just a complete innovator at, of the guitar and as a musician, and there'll never be another like him. And for me, I'm not the world's biggest Van Halen fan. It's just one of those things I'm still, despite that, like kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around this because he's just always been there my whole life as this phenomenal guitar genius. Yeah, absolutely. For me, music, I mean, rock music in general, it's 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 a very nostalgic thing for me. It triggers a lot of memories. And, and Van Halen is, is no exception. Um, I mean, obviously, wickedly talented musician, one of the reinventors of of what the guitar can do and such a such a titan in the in the rock music world like literally set the stage for the entire you know hair metal movement of the 80s and beyond you know set a precedent for so many guitarists inspired so many guitarists that we love but for me personally uh i mean i'm still i could picture my dad and i were sitting in in his his old chevy silverado and we're cruising down the road and you know he always had the the van halen greatest hits with the 
the Eddie Van Halen guitar, the stripes, the black and white stripes across the top. And he'd, he'd throw it in and be like, Chris, I want to check this song out. It's called Pound Cake. You're going to love this one. He was actually, <laughs> he, he was a, he was a big fan of like the, the Van, the Van Hagar era. He loved the Sammy yeah. Hagar guitar, uh, Sammy Hagar era. Um, but I mean, hearing the opening riff to run with the devil and, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, what is this? Because I mean, I'm still growing up. I'm still forming my identity around rock music, and you know, right. those memories played a, a significant role in 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 forming my love of, of rock and metal. So, I mean, Eddie Van Halen and Van Halen in general, their influence on me can't be can't be overstated, and uh, it's very very sad. I mean, I knew he was sick for a while, and yeah. you know, I that's too young. That's too young, man. 65. That's, that's, that's younger than my parents are right now. So it's, it's sad to think about it from that perspective that he, uh, he uh, couldn't stick around for a little while longer and, uh, you know, and uh, get contribute a little bit more and, and, and leave another one last little bit of uh, stuff for us to, to, but I'm happy with, with what we have. And uh, it'll be sad to know that uh, he's no longer with us. I think Van Halen is just one of those bands that for me, I almost like took them for granted because they were just always there and they were always like, uh, they did not need to be a band for me to seek out for them to be a, like the, a, a part of the soundtrack of my life between having, um, an older brother who was always listening to Van Halen to seeing them on MTV, to just hearing them constantly on rock radio growing up and, and being a, becoming a fan of both, the David Lee Roth era and the Sammy Hagar era. It's just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around such a huge part of my childhood is now not there. Yeah. You just got so used to them being there. Then with the reunion tour and you're just kind of always hoping like maybe they'll do have one more great album left in them. That's it, man. I mean, like we, you know, it, they were one of those bands that you thought would never go away, that they would always, you know, they were one of those bands you thought, oh, they're going to have the reunion tour and then the re-reunion tour. And then, you <laughs> okay. know, the, the, the 50th goodbye tour, you know, they're one of those bands that, you yeah, just, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's synonymous. Kind with of a like lot Kiss. Of, yeah, like Kiss or Motley <laughs> Crue. Or, I don't know if that's just synonymous with those like late 70s, 80s bands. But, yeah. you know, it's just really sad because it's seeing something that you thought would be immortal kind of be taken away you know, very tragically and, and very suddenly. Yeah. And that, that makes it all the harder that it's, it's a disease that affects so many people. And, know. you know, just to see such a, a, a vibrant guy, I mean, he was, he was such a, a vibrant, energetic, he was the picture the poster boy of, you know, wild guitar antics and just like a, a, a true guitar hero. And to see him kind of yeah. brought so low and, and probably a very weakened by such a horrible disease. And that's gotta be tough to swallow. And it's, it's really hard to picture him that way. I know. And I was saying to somebody yesterday when I heard the news that it's sort of funny in a way because he seemed like such a humble, down to earth, normal, nice guy in so many ways. Yet he's this, as you called him, a guitar hero, this rock god, this complete innovator. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, I had the privilege of speaking to David Ellison earlier today for a okay. talk wow. net, and that interview should be out by the time this episode's out. So I didn't have a problem sharing this, but I had to bring it up to him because it's such big news. And I know Van Halen's a big influence on him. And he was saying how, 
you know, in his, in his opinion, you have like two guitar innovators, Les Paul and Eddie Van Halen. And I mean, that's sort of hard to dispute. I would throw in maybe one or two others like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, Hendrix. But it's a very short list. And even when you look at, you know, all the amazing guitarists that existed and still exist, whether it be uh, Heffield or Slash or Mustaine or, you know, there's a long list, Randy Rhodes. But Dimebag, any of them, yeah. Dimebag. And they were all influential and skilled and innovative in certain ways, but not to the extent of like a Hendrix or an Eddie Van Halen, who just really reinvented the guitar. Absolutely. So I mean, you, you, uh, at the end of the 70s, you know, people, when, I'm sure when people heard Van Halen one for the first time, they were like, what is this? Because he's making right. sounds with the guitar that just people hadn't heard before. And maybe they weren't even ready for at the time. Like I said, he ushered yeah. in the, the hair metal movement of the 80s. He is the blueprint that like every 80s hair metal shredder and hairband like really took after he really set the he set the he set an example for everybody to kind of follow and uh yeah that's uh it's not it's not hyperbole to say that he is one of the three most important figures probably when it comes to the electric guitar uh in rock right. history for sure and you you brought up an interesting point too because you know it's sort of like how many bands can be such a big influence on the hair metal scene, but also like that real like thrash metal scene. Yeah. Like where the guitar playing was so virtuosic and so innovative that anybody who picked up the electric guitar was influenced by him, even if it was indirectly, but kind of like the party, the fun, the, the flash of, especially in the early Van Halen years spread into, uh, you know, hair metal, pop music, it, it, it transcended uh, so many genres. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I'd say talk to any of the big four guys. Scott Ian would say it. Kirk would say it. Mustaine would say it. Uh, yeah. Hanneman would have said it. I'm sure Kerry King will say it. I mean, they probably yeah. all looked at Eddie Van Halen and said, you know, that's, I'm sure they were growing up being really young. They said, man, like, I want to do that, like, you know, what he's doing, you know, and then take it to the next level. But I mean, again, that that's that blueprint. I mean, anybody who goes that hard on stage, not just as virtuosic in that way, but a true showman and really gives his all on stage yeah. with every performance. I mean, that's that's what that's what they, that's what they did. And that's where they took it from is, is bands like Van Halen. A hundred percent. And, you know, he, he was just such an important figure. And I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned that this will be the first podcast that comes out since the news. And, uh, you know, I, my heart breaks for his family. Like you said, he was a very young guy, all things considered. And uh, it's just a real shame. And uh, I hope, um, well, I don't hope. I know that his legacy will live on for years. I mean, he, I like I, I, I wrote a little thing on Twitter, like I said, and, you know, legend is just an understatement uh, when it comes to somebody like him. So just horrible news, but I wanted to make sure we addressed it. And I know like you told me before we uh, started recording that you were, uh, you know, they were a big influence on you. So I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, trust me, if I have a 
a, a child in the future who ends up liking rock music, tell me that no, they're not going to get goosebumps when you hear the bomb, bomb, bomb from <laughs> Running with the Devil in that first riff. You're just like your jaw just drops open. So I think yeah, I think totally. something like that. You know what he created and and how amazing the riffs and 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 licks he has. Those are just going to live forever. Very well said, and you know I think it's important that we address how we met because if you are a long time uh, listener of Metallicast, you probably know the name Richard S. He, who recently told me he has been on Metallicast for like a total of twenty four hours. <laughs> so he is a frequent guest. Um, if you're not sure who he is, he is a music journalist who wrote a piece called. 15 years on St. Anger, Metallica's final masterpiece. So uh, you can imagine that would that headline struck my eye as a Metallica fan. And it's about 7,500 words, and I read every word and immediately needed to track him down, contact him, and get him on the podcast. But the reason I mention that is because Chris also met Richard as he through much the same way. And... Richard was kind enough to introduce us, and now here we are. So <laughs> he, he must have that effect on people, man. I don't know. He just he's he's got that magnetic presence. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a very similar story. I mean, so I, I I'm originally from the Buffalo, New York area, and I moved down to the the area I live in, which is Wilmington, Delaware, um, uh, to start writing for the the Cecil Whig, which is the county paper of Cecil County, Maryland. And I'm very I was lucky enough where. Uh, the the editors at, at the wig they gave me my own kind of pop culture article you would say i mean like nice. i could write about yeah. music i could write about movies i could kind of just do whatever i wanted once a week which is you know i don't know why they gave me that kind of power but they did um, <laughs> um so i used it and i pretty much subjected the 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 very uh rural county the res the lovely residents of of rural cecil county maryland to my musings on everything from Nightwish to the video game <laughs> prowess of Hideo Kojima to the genius of Saint Anger. So I wrote, I wrote in my column uh, one week. Also, a very similar article, much shorter though, about how I uh, view Saint Anger as a really spectacular record in, in Metallica's discography and a record that I come back to time and time again. That's just really, really attracting and magnetic for me. Um, and so it was out there. Would you say death magnetic to you? Yeah, pretty, pretty death, pretty death <laughs> magnetic, pretty death magnetic. Very. Uh, Sorry, I had yeah, to. No, I had you, to. You got to jump on those when they come. So I don't blame you. What one bit? Um, but so it was out there in the ether. It was published. I mean, nothing really came of it. Nobody really commented on it or anything. So I find myself. I'm just like, you know what? Let I'm going to Google my name. You know, as you do, kind of just one right. day to when you're bored. Guilty to, as charged. Just, yeah. yeah, just to see. <laughs> see where you're at on the internet what kind of impact you're making and so right. I, I type in chris keelich uh on google and i'm surprised to see the wikipedia uh article for saint anger come up uh as one of the early entries and i'm like this is weird so i click on it and i, I you know i control f my name um on the page and there i am i'm cited on the wikipedia page for saint anger next to a line that says like uh, on the also Metallica goes into alt metal territory on this record. I'm not really sure what it is. It's something like that where I was kind of talking about how, you know, it was the height of the new metal craze and Metallica was, you know, kind of swept up in that, not entirely, but swept up in that a little bit in their experimentation. 
Um, And so I was cited there. And then I was like, well, I'm not the only one cited here. There's like four different articles next to my citation here. I want to see, you know, what's what else, who else is thinking the same way that I'm thinking. And right next to mine is Richard's article. So I click on it and like you, I open it up and I'm, I'm riveted by the whole thing. Yeah. And I said the same thing. I'm like, I got to reach out to this guy. He's articulating his points better than I could ever have hoped to articulate mine in my, in my, my little, you know, county paper column and a super gracious guy. You know, not everybody is like that where, you know, they'll take the time to reach back to you and really not just reach back to you, but really, you know, say, thank you. I really appreciate you reading and please stay in touch. And that's exactly what he did. He, he said, please stay in touch. And so now we're, I, we're pretty close, like internet pals. I mean, I've never had the yeah. fortune of, of speaking with him, hearing his voice like you have, uh, uh, at least on a phone call between the two of us. But uh, I send him, you know, pieces that I'm pitching or things I'm writing for proofreading sometimes. He's just a great, a great writing buddy to have and uh, really cool that we uh, connected in that way. Very cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a, I mean, listen, I, I know you're being nice. That's not sugarcoated. He's a raging asshole. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I'm only saying that because I know he'll listen to this and he'll laugh. Yeah. Richard, we love you. Richard, love you, um, man. <laughs> so I, I definitely want to dive more into your thoughts on St. Inger as well as some of uh, the other albums and eras of Metallica. But let's backtrack a little bit. How did you get into the band? So my Metallica journey, uh, ironically enough, starts with Megadeth. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, there's, I, there's my a, one, I was the opposite. Yeah, there's a, there's a lead in for you. Um, so I was a big gamer. <laughs> growing up. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's a, I was a big gamer growing up um, and my buddy had Guitar Hero and I was like, this is really cool. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's really cool to just kind of pretend that you're a, a, a rock god for a, for a couple of minutes. So yeah. I asked for it for my birthday and I got I got Rock Band 1 or uh, Guitar Hero 1 and 2. And um, Guitar Hero 2 had, I believe it was Guitar Hero 2, had Hangar 18 on it. The cover of Hangar 18, not the real Hangar 18. Um, but, I mean, I was just, I heard that song. I mean, I couldn't play it for the for the, the love of anything. <laughs> um, but... You know, Blue, I green, it. red, uh, yellow, you orange. It's moving all the colors are I too like, fast. You know I'm gonna put it on easy mode. I'm putting on. I'm putting on easy mode. Maybe I can get through it. Get through it. Yeah. I can't. I can't compete with Marty Friedman. Um, but uh, so, I, but I was blown away. I loved it. Like I, I never heard anything like that up to that point in my life. I grew up with my dad's kind of taste in music. You know, he was big into um, like ZZ Top. And, you know, some Queen and Led Zeppelin, like all like dad, dad, rock, classic rock band, classic dad stuff, (laughs) you know, some Jackson Brown and Van Morrison thrown in for good measure. Big Bruce Springsteen fan, too. So, yeah, they're all those are all the the boss, man. (laughs) But if you were going to if you were going to say, what would a dad listen to? It's pretty much standard dad fare. Um, But so I've never heard anything like this. Like this was this that was my gateway to heavier music was starting with that that guitar hero with that hanger 18 on guitar hero about how old were you man i was probably this had to have been probably like freshman year of high school i would say maybe a little bit earlier like coming out of eighth grade uh into into freshman year of high school um and yeah that just changed everything i became like a megadeth obsessive from that point on i downloaded like all their records this i had just gotten my first like ipod classic the old ones with like the scroll wheel um 
man, those things are indestructible. I still got it. Like I still have mine. Those things will never break down. I, I'm going to keep yeah. that thing to the day I die. Um, but downloaded all of Megadeth's records. I was a Megadeth like diehard. Like I, I, I loved everything Megadeth. Um, and I going into school, uh, it, the, the Metallica came from kind of two places at, at, at once. And the first was my math teacher, Mr. Heisner. He was my, 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 te- my math teacher for a couple, for a couple years. Um, Met- loved Metallica. Like he had a, he was super cool. He had a, he had a St. <laughs> Anger poster hanging up in his office. And he was like, you know, I was in high school when death magnetic came out. He was like fawning. He would like some, sometimes play Metallica in class. Like he was like, awning over metallica all the time i mean if he has a saint anger poster he's really making a statement yeah no for sure he was super (laughs) super cool teacher but you know what and like the other and the other half was my a good buddy of mine um who would you know come over and we would hang out and we were we were super aggro edgy gamer bros like we would play call of duty and battlefield and stuff and throw on aggressive because at this point after the megadeth stuff i had gotten into more like kind of like the you know quote unquote like butt rock even though i still love butt rock i'm an unabashed butt rock lover so like <laughs> which three, is my the, favorite term yeah butt the, rock. the three days graces the breaking benjamins yeah. of the world like stuff like that like we were super edgy gamers like we would we would put on our ipod and just like play, cut play, my life into yeah, pieces exactly and like play nazi zombies and just be like oh yeah fuck yeah man just like just blow all up. hiked up on a mountain yeah, you can picture and it. code red i'm and setting like... the scene pretty well here you can picture it you can picture it yeah um but he would play you know he had um like uh master of puppets um i've heard i i had heard enter sandman up to that point you know i you know i was like this is this is good but i mean it, it just kind of flew over my head at the time but he played like master yeah. of puppets and uh, fuel you know just like some of the big hits and i was like same kind of deal i was like these are pretty cool but you know i'm not really thinking much deeper into it i was like i'm a megadeth guy man like i'm never gonna like i'm I, that you know aren't we all like that in high school we kind of latch on to oh, our yeah. thing and we're just like we're so insular that we can't like get outside of our little bubble that was me with like yeah. that was me with megadeth I was like i'm a megadeth man like mustang for life like i'm well, never getting some, out of this for some reason in like middle school, high school, you always have to like choose a side. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you are like Megadeth ride or die, you almost had like feud with the Metallica yeah. ride or dies, you know, mm-hmm. even though, even if you liked both bands and they're, it's like, well, Mustay wrote all the riffs. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it, man. Like, that was, that was me for sure. But so things were coming in kind of trickling down. Um, and really, you know, the next level came up from from Rock Band. Um, I, I I liked I found I liked a lot of those songs enough to download them and listen to them occasionally. Master Puppets and their Sandman, um, right? And uh, Fuel and uh, Fade to Black. Uh, those were those were kind of like those are the ones that spring immediately to mind. That I was like, all right, I like these enough. I'll download them and listen to them occasionally. Um, and Rock Band came out, um, and I played Enter Sandman on the first one. But it was really the second one, um, and and battery was on it, and uh, man, again, I couldn't play it for anything. But it was just like it represented <laughs> this like ultimate challenge because it was in the last yeah. tier, and you know my buddies and I would come over and we'd be like, man, we gotta beat it, man. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we gotta beat it. And of course, I'm yeah. I am I'm the drummer uh, because you know, fun fact, all my friends are like, you suck at everything else. You need to learn a different instrument. <laughs> so I was the, defa- nobody else wanted to play drums. So I was the de facto Lars. 
um, in the band, <laughs> in the in the plastic rock band. Um, so yeah, Battery was this. It had it immediately was such a cool song to me. Um, loved the acoustic intro, like loved the harmonies and it. Yeah, super melodic, like really hooky for being you know kind of a, a kind of. You know, I had never heard a, a, a song, a, th- a thrash song really like that. I mean, there were some Megadeth songs, but they don't do, they don't really open songs the same way that, that Metallica can open them. So I hadn't really heard anything yeah. quite to that extent before. And then it just like, it's, it, it punches you right in the gut. Like right after that intro, it just launches right into it. And it's, it's super fun and, you know, getting better and better at it. I just, I played that song all the time on Rock Band and uh, got better and better at it and loved it more and more. And, you know, so then... You know, I download that and I a couple other songs, you know, from my my buddy's playlist that, you know, I kind of opened my my mind and heart to Metallica a little bit more. Like he had a lot of stuff off of Reload, which kind of, you know, fed into my Reload love um, because I really, really love that record, too. He had like Devil's Dance and Unforgiven 2 on his 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 MP3 player. And I was like, man, these are super cool. I'm going to download those, too. He had he had Sad But True. Surprisingly, I never heard Sad But True up to that point. That's that's sad, (laughs) but true. Um, so had that, um, and downloaded a lot of those songs. Um, and then fast forward. So for fast, we're, we're fast going forward here to 2017, probably around, uh, this is very recent. I'm actually a very recent Metallica diehard. Like, so, uh, fast forward to 2017, uh, Metallica is, is getting ready to go out on, on world wired, the world wired tour leg that starts in, in Baltimore. Um, and my buddy and I, we're, we're going to get together. He lives down in Baltimore. I'm still up in Buffalo right. at the time. And I was like, let's go see something. Let's go see a concert. You and I have not seen a concert in a while. We, we, we had loved to see concerts together. We saw like the, the annual, I don't know if you remember, like Mayhem Festival and Uproar Festival. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We loved doing that. We saw all that stuff together. That's kind of how we really. We that was grew- such a, like a great time. Like you had, it started with OzFest. Yep. And then they went into uh mayhem festival and all those other ones that were just so great and then they just sort of all kind of fizzled out and and now the big yeah. thing are like the the big weekend ones right but there's no like real touring yeah that's... festivals i mean there's no touring period right now but you know what i mean right yeah no they have like the big like the louder than life and aftershock festival yeah those big danny wimmer presents festivals which are super cool and not taking away anything from those but there's just something special about you and your buddies getting 20 dollars cheap lawn seats at the local amphitheater and you know having a couple drinks and just really it's a very it's it's a represents a very innocent time and just kind of pure fun people picking up the lawn and throwing in yeah not to get hit and spill your beer yeah super drunk people just like super obnoxious but you love it anyway because it's part of the and then part of the and then you see those you see those certain people at like an Ozfest or something you're like where do these people come from (laughs) like like, did they just like where did they crawl out of crawled out of the crypt yeah (laughs) you're like how are these people here <laughs> how do they live oh my god i, I know exactly here we've come across those before yeah for sure but god god love them they they make them more fun they make oh, yeah, those events more fun so you know we're like let's see another concert man like let's get together and let's see a show and you know there were a couple options we went through but i was like you know what i've never seen metallica and like 
obviously, you know, Metallica is the biggest metal band on the planet. Like, they're coming right through Baltimore, man. Like, what an opportunity. Like, let's do it. Like, let's pull the trigger and go. Yeah. Plus, we like the other, you know, we already liked the other two opening bands. We loved Avenged Sevenfold growing up. And we really liked Volbeat growing up. I was like, that's a perfect yeah. bill. Like, we're we're going to love it. So, um, before I saw them, I was like, you know what? I think it's really time to, like, take the plunge and really just listen to the catalog. Just, like, go go balls deep into the catalog listen to everything and just like find what you like if it doesn't strike your fancy then don't don't take it but if it strikes your fancy right. take it. and like man what wasn't there to like it was like my eyes were open i mean i i couldn't believe that i hadn't done this before it was song after song record after record after record after record i mean this you're this is no news for you this you know you're you know year decades and decades ahead of me on yeah. this and most metallica fans are but you know i'm i'm i am a late addition to the uh to the to the organization here to the metallica family but um that's well, richard told me you are a true from the 80s so this interview's over <laughs> bye uh oh man to quote to quote the the metal up your podcast guys i hear the metal police coming i hear the metal police um but um, i was on their show and i set off the siren oh a few yeah times, I, heard, I, I remember think, so. your episode man you set off the, the the metal police a number of times they were after yeah. you book yeah. them throw the book at i them. think they still are there's a knock at my door hold on <laughs> No, but that's that's honestly what happened. I was late late to the game, but but no less no less impressed and no less became no less of a diehard. I mean, yeah. Uh, there's very little Metallica material now that I'm just like that. There's I would honestly say maybe aside from like Lulu, there's really nothing that I'm just like I'm probably never gonna listen to this really. And there right. there's just very few that I'm like meh. There's a couple songs that I'm like meh. I mean, I probably won't listen to this a lot, but man uh like i said my eyes were open so from then on it just grew and grew and grew and uh hardwired when hardwired came out um i was working at a record store too so that helped i was i i got my hands nice. on that too when that came out but yeah since that day um it just grew from there and now i'm i am where i'm at <laughs> so uh, that's so fun to hear because it, it part of the reason why i love doing this podcast is because i just get to talk to so many different fans and and everybody you find out has like a different entry point and you know some are i saw them in 83 in you know la and then other people are like i just heard hardwired self-destruct last week and now i own every album yeah you know so it, it's really cool and it, it just shows you how how and why this band is so relevant today and, in 2020. And absolutely. And don't tell Dave Mustaine, but I'm a bigger fan of Metallica now than I <laughs> Like, it's not even, like, it's not, it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's not close, but it's, it's, <laughs> there's a gap now. I mean, I love, I still love yeah. that. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'll listen to, to a lot of their records, still love them. They're super big influences on me, obviously, from that story. But yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, I consider myself a, a much bigger Metallica fan now than Megadeth. That's funny to hear. I, I mean, I love Megadeth, but obviously Metallica is my all-time favorite band. And, you know, it's it's hard for me to... I, I will freely admit I'm biased, and it's hard for me to, like, really critique their catalog, except among their own catalog. So, like, when I say, you know, a song on Reload is a weak song by them, I'm really just kind of comparing it to all their other songs, not so much 
any other bands right, material. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's a it's a bracket, it's a bracket all its own, man. You're yeah. absolutely right, and I feel you know I, you know I, I was lucky enough I got to interview Dave Mustaine, you know, being oh, such wow. a awesome. being such a hero of mine. It was it was pretty surreal, but you know yeah. I didn't I didn't tell him at the time that uh, <laughs> that things had shifted a little bit. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I uh, it's it's a it's a it's a new class of it's a new it's a it's a newfound a relatively newfound love but one that's only grown deeper over the last last three years the more and more of i've i've explored and the more i've watched um i mean i've gone so far i'm wearing i bought this i found this this reload t-shirt awesome. for like i bought it for who buys a t-shirt for 75 dollars i bought this t-shirt for 75 dollars <laughs> because i love reload so much and i was like i want a reload t-shirt so i mean that's that's where we're at right now so that's where i'm at so that is amazing. You know what's sad is that I I'm ninety percent positive I had that t shirt, and th- it's funny because so many of my t shirts I still have, mm-hmm. even if like they do not fit me anymore because I got it when I was like in. You gotta grade. keep them, man. The you gotta. They're like, but you either make a quilt out of it or do something. Like you gotta. <laughs> I don't know if for, I'll ever. I, I I'm gonna have a hard time getting rid of these things when I outgrow them. I know, but for a few of them. For some reason, they just sort of like disappeared along the way. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I think I definitely do not have that one anymore, but I'm pretty sure I had it at some point. And it and it's um, those shirts are so the reason it costs you seventy five dollars because like you can go on the Met store and you can still get like the classic Master Puppet shirts, yeah. the Metal Up Your Ass shirts, the you know the Unforgiven shirt, the Four Horsemen shirt. But like the whole load reload era has just been like wipes that's clean it like from like you got a king all their official shirt, like that's it man like that's yeah it. exactly and it's a shame because i love those records so much i i mean load came out when i was in sixth grade it was the first i owned the black album cassette but load was the first cd i ever owned and so like the black album and load were my introduction to the band so like i just have a softer spot in my heart for that whole era oh yeah and you know like for me, it's fun because everybody who was like a you know an '80s diehard and uh, bought Load looked at the back album cover and was like, "Who the fuck is this?" What? They, did the Tim, they did the Tim Allen, uh, Coleman Broom, and was like, uh? <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, exactly." They're 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 wearing suits, drinking martinis, smoking cigars. Is that eyeliner? <laughs> For me, I went black album Load. Mm-hmm. Then I went back to Kill 'Em All, and when I opened Kill 'Em All, and I saw the band photo of them at like you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty yeah. years old, greasy hair the covered in belts, acne, yeah. the bullet belts, I was like, "Who is this band? This is the same." <laughs> and like I remember holding like Load and Kill 'Em All like side by side and looking yeah, at the like, pictures and be like, "Double take, yeah, yeah." And then I remember putting on Kill 'Em All and hearing you know hit the lights, and then the Four Horsemen, and my first reaction was like. What is this? <laughs> it kind of sounds like them. Yeah, you, who's this? You did, is that the same singer? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no. I'll, I mean, I'll be straight up. Um, my favorite Metallica records are probably my number one is is Kill 'Em All, and I'll tell you why in a second. But my second favorite is probably Reload, and the, wow. the reason they're but they connect for me in a weird reason, and not a weird reason, but a, a reason that you know, most people kind of gloss over both records 
uh, well, first of all, I'm, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big hometown guy. I'm a, I'm a Buffalonian till I die. So uh, yeah. Kill 'Em All was recorded in Rochester, New York. So I got to have a little hometown pride, kind yeah. of. They're like, it's basically my hometown. It's right there. So yeah, uh, they're right next to each I, other. I uh, I like to I like to tell people that one of the most iconic metal records of all time was recorded like literally an hour away from where I live, which I think yeah. is pretty neat. Um, is neat. But they're both my favorite. They're my favorites because they're both very like. Let's just show the world how badass we are. They're both records at different times in their in their careers where they're both saying they both kind of are communicating the same thing through their lyricism, which is let's just, you know, let's talk about let's just be badass. Like, let's talk about things that are are fucking heavy and super macho and just like, fuck you, man. Like they those that's what both of those records really communicate to me. Like you hear no remorse or whiplash or metal militia, like any of those songs communicate the same message to me that fuel does that devil's dance does that Prince charming does, you know, any of those songs off of reload. I, and I, I, it, it falls in line with it. Weirdly enough, it falls in line with like why I love butt rock so much. Like I have this weird like (laughs) attraction to kind of like, macho i'm not like a super macho guy at all talk to anybody you know i am the least macho dude i'm pretty sensitive like i am not a macho guy but so there, but there's and i'm and uh, but there's something about that kind of like aggressive like macho like attitude that like i just i love and that's why both of those records are my favorite because i think they kind of communicate that but at totally different times in their career that's a very interesting point that i never really thought of and now i'm thinking about it and like you know, it, there is some crossover. If you look at, you know, Motor Breath and Fuel, or Jump in the Fire and Devil's Dance, there's definitely like an over a strange overlap. Yeah, there it's it's with, literally all like let's just live fast and just fucking like go for it. Like that's yeah, that's what those two records are really all about. And I think that's why yeah, that's definitely why they're so attractive and why they're still my favorites. Wow. So I'm curious now. I. How, what what led you down to wanting to you know write a, i know you had your pop culture column and now and now you're at distorted sound so what sort of led you to distorted sound and having a, a large focus of your writing being on not just music but metal I, I know for like for me um and i'm interested to hear from you like metallica was a gateway band for me where through them I found out about Dave Mustaine and then that led to me checking out Megadeth and then just checking out the other big four bands, Anthrax, Slayer, then eventually Pantera. Like I have a memory of hearing um, Vogue Display of Power for the first time and like not being ready for it. <laughs> and then like a year later going back to him and be like, this is one of the greatest albums I've ever yeah. heard. Oh man. And then, you know, and then obviously – uh, I went back and did my homework with you know Sabbath and all those iconic bands made in and then but my but my taste would get heavier and heavier and by the you know the end of high school Metallica was my favorite band and I s- still loved Megadeth and Pantera and Slayer but I was listening you know to a lot more death metal a lot more black metal uh, I you know I I got super into like Dillinger Escape Plan and bands like that so i'm curious if they were a gateway band for you or if megadeth was a gateway band for you and sort of what made you want to focus a lot more on 
the metal side of it when it came to writing sort of what led you to distort a sound yeah uh for sure megadeth was was that gateway band along with a lot of those i mean i'm i don't need to call them butt rock they're the post grunge kind of uh <laughs> you, you, know, post, post- you know what it is though <laughs> it, there's something about the term butt rock that is both hilarious hilarious but also i know exactly what you're talking yes, about you know everybody knows <laughs> yeah. but yeah all those the, the post grunge new metal stuff like that was that was, yeah those were also huge um you know the 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 three I, I the three songs I really credit with kind of getting me into to hard rock and metal were Hang, the Hangar Eighteen, uh, the Guitar Hero one, um, Riot by Three Days Grace, and Until the End by Breaking Benjamin. So those three songs were kind of my gateway to heavy music, heavier music yeah. in general. Um, but I started my writing career. I, I I was in college. I was actually a theater major in college, and I had. I had kind of an existential crisis like halfway through my major and I was like I am yeah. not going to make money doing this. Like what am I doing? Like let's <laughs> let's find something, let's find a major that like you can actually maybe, you know, utilize in in your future and 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 still have it be something that you kind of could see yourself enjoying. So I, I declared a communication major and shortly after I did that, um I started writing for the college paper. Uh, and I was like, you know, you love music like you, I've already been an avid music consumer up to this point. I love sharing music with people i I think up uh, before that point i i actually have a i had a blog you know just like a a blog that everybody starts you know when they want to have a creative outlet um and in that blog i was i was it was called the 1001 songs you need on your ipod or something like that and i would i would do a different song like every week or maybe like every couple of days and i would like really dive into the song in depth kind of like how you did you know on your podcast like back in the day when you would do you would do deep dives into each track on like the black album But I was I was doing that with like just different songs, any song that like I throw my iPod on shuffle song came up. All right. Why do I love what it was an exploration of me saying, why do I love this song? Like, what is it about it that made me downloaded it? Why do I feel like other people should hear it and know about it? So that's kind of what I was doing on my blog. And I was like, you know what, let's 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 see what the college paper has to offer. So I I applied to write for the college paper and I I applied to be like a music reviewer, like a, a record reviewer for the for the college paper. So I started doing that and I wasn't necessarily strictly focusing on rock there either. You know, I did like pop punk stuff and pop stuff and like EDM stuff at times. I was kind of all over the map. Um, But I mean, rock, it always, I never stopped listening to it because it began, it it represents such a, like all those mayhem festivals and video games with my buddies. Like it represents such like an innocent time in, in my life. And then isn't that what we're all trying to like hold on to pretty much to the end of our lives is kind of like that sense of, not being weighed down by anything like that's what rock music represents and metal metal represents to me is it's a sense of like not really being weighed down by you know the stresses of the world and kind of taking you back to an innocent time and not that you can live in the past but it it's always there to kind of put you in that right frame of mind so i never really stopped listening to it and so um after i got out of college um actually no i i am mistaken i don't even know my own history 24 2014 (laughs) 2014 it's my my last year of college i'm a end of junior year going into senior year um i'm talking with my parents just about what i want to do they're like you know what do you want to do after you graduate do you have any ideas and i was like you know i really don't know i just know that i really like writing for the college paper and i'd really like to continue doing that you know as much as i can my parents like well you should you should do something about that you should reach out to buffalo news and i was like like they never like when does that happen? When does someone just randomly reaching out saying, give me a job, get you a job, you know? Yeah. But I was like, you know what? 
you know, fuck it. What do I have to lose? You know, I got, I got nothing to lose and everything to gain from it. So I did, sure, yeah. I reached out to the, the gusto editor of the Buffalo news, which is like the, the every Friday they have like a, it's an arts, a, a kind of a bigger dedicated arts section um, of the Buffalo news called the gusto. And I reached out to their editor and I was like, Hey, I, at that point I had already done, an, I did my first interview ever with, with a band called jukebox, the ghost, which is kind of this piano rock band um that had played a, a spring concert at geneseo suny geneseo which is where i went to college outside rochester new york um and i was like hey i did this interview with this band i would really like to interview uh, i needed i knew i needed an in to get in to for that for them to take me seriously so warp tour was rolling through buffalo and every time i die is is a hometown hero of buffalo new york they're a big hardcore band yeah hardcore metalcore band uh, from Buffalo and they were playing that year. And I was like, Hey, um, I'd really like to, to, to interview every time I die, if possible. I mean, I've already interviewed this band. I think it'd be a great piece, you know, touching on the local angle of, of this year's warp tour. And I mean, I, I was flabbergasted and she reached back out to me. She's like, yeah, let's see what you got. She basically said, let's see what you got. Wow. And I did it. I did the interview and it was the cover piece of the gusto wow. of that week. And from then on, like, you know, she kind of communicated to me after that point, like, you know, they didn't really have someone at the news who uh, was focusing on a lot of rock and metal artists, especially at like the club level, like kind of like yeah. thousand, a thousand, you know, room, a thousand cap room venues or less. Right. And so that was really my focus. You know, I was doing medium to larger size clubs, small clubs. And I was doing like the majority, I would say three quarters of, of the bands I interviewed were rock artists. I mean, I did like All That Remains and I did Sick cool, Puppies. Yeah. I did, I ended up doing Breaking Benjamin. I did Skillet, like bands like that, yes. like in that range, like anywhere in that kind of tier, yeah. you know, I, I've interviewed and I, I love talking to people too. Like I love, that's why I'm loving doing this. Like I love talking to people. I love interviews. I just love, I find everybody's story fascinating. I love people. Yeah. And me too. so, that was, you know, I did some feature, I did some, um, you know, like previews and some reviews and some other kind of like other pieces for the news. But most of what I did was was interviews with bands, kind of leading people, telling people like, hey, these people are coming. But I did it through the form of an interview because um, I feel like I, call, I used to call Buffalo the Bermuda Triangle of concerts because you got Toronto, <laughs> you got Toronto two hours to the north, you got Cleveland three hours to the west and you got New York City six hours to the east. So it's like. A triangle like all the big concerts are going to go around us like metallica played there in in 2009 and they didn't come back until and they didn't come they played there in like in 2009 they didn't come back until 20 uh, i think it was was it 2018 or 2019 when they came Sounds back right because i almost i almost went to that show because like i told you i have family out there. yeah so and, it's, it, there, yeah. there's no real big acts that really come through on a consistent basis right. in buffalo so but i but I, I, so I, I was doing a lot of those smaller pieces, but, I, and at the same time I was branching out, reaching out to, uh, Rochester. I did work for Rochester papers. I did work for bu smaller Buffalo arts publications. And yeah. from there, uh, after I'm, you know, from there that led me to the Cecil wig job, you know, I was like, all right, I need to start. I'd really like to do this full time, uh, because, you know, I'm working at a record store and I'm, I'm making freelance money. I'd like to be, you know, be out on my own and, you know, be making sure. full time money, make a career out of this. So that's why yeah. I got the Cecil wig job. And from there, I was like, well, and I was doing the column, but there were really no bands to interview anymore, you know, because it's a it's a rural county in Maryland. I mean, 
you know, we're not exactly covering the Baltimore market or like the Philly market or anything. We're kind of smack in the middle. So, right. well, I'm not really interviewing any bands anymore. I'd really like to continue doing that. So let's just see what's out there. So I started writing for actually the first freelance thing that I, I did after I got that job was, excuse me, uh, uh, an Italian site called Sick and Sound. And I still do some stuff for them occasionally. Uh, the, the, the woman who runs that, uh, Alexandra, super nice uh, uh shout out to them just to, to sick and sound um really really cool italian metalcore metal publication so i did i did cool. i started working for them and then from there it was really dead like i really wasn't doing much and i was kind of in this you know but life was happening at the same time too yeah. i i had i was moving i met my 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 now wife at the time and we were you know new love relationships uh, you know, I moved out of my old apartment into a new, we moved into a new apartment and I, you know, I unfortunately got laid off of that, that paper job. And I, I took another job and that one wasn't really, wasn't a good fit for me. So I was, I was bouncing around from job to job yeah. and life was happening, but I was like, you know what, this is still such a big part of me and I miss it. Like I, I, I was just like, you know what, I'm a firm believer that, you know, the right door will open for you if you just make the right contact. Yep. And so I sent stuff to, and I firmly believed in what I was doing. Like, you I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a braggadocious person, but like, I feel like I know that I'm, I'm a capable writer. I'll, I'll, I'll at least use that word. I know I'm at least capable of doing a, a, a good job at my writing. So I, you know, I sent emails to, to Loudwire. I sent emails to PRP. I sent emails to, to, uh, Lamb Goat or to, uh, um, Metal Injection, Metal Sucks, like all of them. Like, yep. and you know, to this day, I, I'm still hoping to hear to hear a response from some of them. Uh, maybe I need to send another uh, send another send another uh, blast of emails. But uh, I sent one to Distorted Sound. I don't even remember how I found out about it. I think I just saw it somehow through someone, or I really don't know. But you know, James James, who's the editor, he got back to me right away and was like, "Yeah, man, like we've taken you know we've taken a look at the work samples you sent us. I mean, you've interviewed like Ghost and Dave Mustaine and." you know, big, big bands. I mean, like, he's like, we'd love to have you on board. And that's nice. what happened. And I've been, I've been writing for them ever since. And I mean, I got to give a big shout out to them, to your, to your listenership. Please check out Distorted Sound. They're the hardest working bunch of writers and, and content creators that I've, that I've ever come across. They work, they, they bust their asses every day to awesome, make man. really, really, really cool content, really great features. And they're just the nicest people. So uh, give give Distorted Sound Magazine a, 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 ch a check them out for sure because they're they're worth it, man. Yeah, please do. I'll, I'll definitely include a link in the episode description to them as well, uh, so people have an easy click if you're interested in checking it out. And and, and that's yeah, go for no, it. No, sorry, I don't mean I don't mean to cut you off. There. I forgot the second half of your question about like kind of going deeper into metal, like yeah, harder, hard, harder and harder territory. That's basically what happened. I mean, the first screaming band I ever heard was a Treyu. I was like, you can scream like in metal. Like you can have, <laughs> you can do this. Like, this is pretty cool. But I, I've always been a sucker for melody. So I'm, I'm not really listening to like Cannibal Corpse on a daily basis or anything. I can, right. I mean, I listen to bands that are just all screaming. Like I love like a lot of hardcore bands, a lot of like, uh, mellow death bands for sure. Love like soil work and, and bands like that. And I love a lot of, um, uh, and I mean, I love like hate breed bands, like again, kind of heart crossover bands, machine head, a lot of groove yeah. metal, Pantera machine head. Um, and so much, so much more, but, uh, on the super extreme level, I don't know if I'm, if I'm quite there yet. Cause I still really appreciate a really deep sense of melody in music. 
especially in metal. Like I, I find that very appealing to me. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it was, like, it was a gradual progression over time. And now, I mean, now I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, interviewing and, and covering bands that are, you know, heavier than I ever thought I would ever listen to. So that's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I, I well, a few things. One, um, I, a hundred percent agree with you. I, if, if there's anything I've learned from doing this podcast, it's just like throw yourself out there. And I, in everything that's like this past year, especially, I feel like the podcast has been able to grow a lot. I've been able to, um, I, you know, I've, I hooked up with metaltalk.net. I've been able to contribute to them a lot. And it's just a matter of like, all right, well, I'm just going to send things out there and see if anybody writes back and then somebody does and then they check out what you do and they like it and then like oh have you met this person and then before you know it is is you know i I was telling a friend about it he's like this is basically what you did back in the day except you were in a band and you're just networking like meeting other bands playing shows together trying to get your music out there you're doing the same thing now except it's in the form of a podcast i was like that's absolutely correct <laughs> that's it man i mean uh, so much has happened in my life just because i took a shot and yeah exactly i think that's important for people to to remember i mean whatever's holding you back or you feel like oh i can't do this or you know nobody will ever listen to me uh just shoot your shot man i mean you most yeah. times you don't have much to lose if you feel like you don't have anything to lose or and, and everything to gain the only person holding yourself back is you and i mean it's still something i struggle with it's not a, it's a it's it's a something that we learn every day. Nobody's perfect, and we got to remind ourselves of that every day. But man, to anybody out there, like shoot your shot because you know I never mm-hmm. would have started freelancing and, and interviewing my heroes. I never would have interviewed Dave Mustaine yeah. or any of the bands that I love. I, and I'm so fortunate that I am just because I, I took a chance. And I hope that everybody out there who who is listening that 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 is hoping to 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 do that that they take that chance. Yeah, totally. And I was just thinking too. You know, I, for me, Melody is also a big part. I mean, part of the reason why I love Metallica is because they're such a melodic, catchy band. They have the hooks, but they also have, you know, the speed, the groove, the the heaviness, the everything. And they're in, I, I, I can definitely listen to a band like Cannibal Corpse, but I can listen to them. And then I got to like kind of cleanse with something that's (laughs) a little like more uh melodic but there's a lot of great extreme metal bands out there that have a lot of melody like i'm not sure if you're familiar with the black dahlia murder yeah oh yeah i mean i'm I'm very familiar Uh, yeah it's just so much melody and the guitar work and even in like the way trevor sternad delivers the vocals despite it being like the raspy growly black death metal voice he, he delivers so much you know, melody yeah, through can- and cannibal corpse is such an easy target to pick. On. I don't mean to pick on those guys because they're from Buffalo right. too. How can I, how can I really pick on them? <laughs> um, but plus they have songs like hammer smash face, fucked, fucked with, with a, a knife. knife. I come, I blood. come blood. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what's not to appreciate Yeah, man. as a metalhead, you know, with the metal up your podcast guys, we know how, how Clint feels about, uh, the, about cannibal corpse. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many, uh, so many, um, uh, great extreme metal bands uh, and there's so much that's why i love metal in general like there's so much to pick apart there's so much to, to dissect no pun intended yeah uh, <laughs> uh in metal so so many little things like 
I, I, we're, I don't know if this was ever going to come across about like, I have this weird thing where I love like, especially in Metallica, I love kind of weird atypical parts that like fly over the radar of most people. Like one of yeah. my favorite, you, nobody would ever say this, but one of my favorite, probably my favorite Metallica solo is actually the guitar solo, the first solo in Prince Charming, because the tone <laughs> of like the wah, it's very talk boxy almost. It's this like yeah. really aggressive wah that Kirk's using on that first solo. And it's so like, ugh, it's just like badass. It's the most badass tone. It was one of the most badass guitar tones in any of their songs. And I, it fires me up every time I hear that solo. I love it. And I, I don't care who I don't care. I don't care who knows about it. I love that solo so much. If you were Richard S.C. right now, I would say that's a classic hot take from Richard S.C. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what are take. some other what are some other like atypical parts that stand out to you in the catalog? Yeah, I love that. Again, I'm a, I love like talk box stuff. So like the opening of, of Holier Than Thou, where you can kind of hear the like the the slight like talk box effect. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the background. Love it. Like, yeah. again, super aggressive. Like I love that tone. Like I, that's, that's another one for sure. Have that... you ever seen the classic albums documentary about the black album? The one that, yeah, the, the, the one where that it's like the one where, where James and, and Jason aren't really like on speaking terms at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Yeah, I actually just watched a watch part of that not too long ago. Yeah. Because when they go like back into the studio and they like listen to the masters, mm -hmm. they isolate that part of Hoyer than like, Yeah. I and they like it. both just they all like die laughing cuz it's like so like by itself it's just so funny and hey, I ridiculous love the cheese, man. Like I I don't I don't care like I don't care like about the cheese. Like give me all the cheese. I'm a, I'm such a big power metal guy. So throw the cheese yeah. at me like I love that like aggressive, like in your face, oh, it's just, awesome. like unabashed tone. It's it's awesome, and when you hear it, but when you hear it separated, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I on top of that, like I in my always in my top ten Metallica songs. Like I am when people ask me my top ten Metallica songs, most people say that their top ten changes, and I'm kind of like that. I'm halfway yeah, there. That's me. For it's me, always changing. for me, there are there are like stalwarts that will never leave the top ten. There there are other there are songs that will go in and out of my top ten, but there are certain songs that will never leave my top ten. And one of those songs is "Don't Tread on Me." I love that song so much. It's one that flies over the radar or under the radar for a lot of people, but like that's a song, like just the just how just it's a tempo that Metallica that kind of like um, uh, shuffling tempo. Yeah. that they never really use again and like i love that they do that it, it just feels like a kick in the ass like it's 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 so heavy it's probably the second heaviest song on the on the record aside from sad but true it's such a heavy yeah. heavy song and i i love it but for some reason it kind of doesn't get a lot of love yeah i, I think it's just uh it's one of those songs that i feel like it's almost a victim of the success of that album yeah because like the song, there's so many classics on there, right? That you've heard billions of times, uh, whether it be live or on the radio or MTV or what have you. They're just a part of our pop culture now, right? So I, I feel like there are some of those, uh, some of those deeper cuts get lost in the shuffle sometimes yeah. because of the mega hits. And then you have like, like I think for a lot of fans, like some of the deeper cuts, like, um, like a God that failed or my friend of misery. I think those have like more shelf life for a lot of fans than 
uh bec- more so because of like the subject matter yeah. like, the more personal subject sure. matter than like um some of the other tracks on yeah. there but, but when you hear I, when you hear james spit like liberty or death it's like he's like it's like man it's like <laughs> i'm just like Ugh, like he's like yeah it's 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 vitriol man like i i love that when that yeah. comes out in him um and the same thing you know going into the saint anger talk like I'm telling you, this is no hyperbole. Like, Dirty Window and My World will constantly go in and out of my top ten. Those two songs, for different reasons, are just pummeling. They're pulverizing songs. And yeah. uh, uh, I, I love the fact, I love My World. I'll talk about My World. My World, I love that song because uh, it's, I love I, I mean, I love St. Anger because of, because of how vulnerable and emotional it is because I love hearing James is voice crack. Like I love the cacophony yeah. of it. Like I, I'm attracted to that. Like I'm attracted to the, to I'm attracted to his pain in a way. Like I believe it. Like I, like yeah. I, I've gone through super hard, like I'm mean, not super hard times, but we've all been times where you're just like, man, like everything sucks. And like, you know, not in like a new metal way, everything sucks. And like, I hate my parents, but like, <laughs> you know, we go through really, you know, that was a, such a low point for them. And like, yeah. you hear it, man. Like that record is like, it's the noise in your head. Like, it's like when you're just like, I don't know whether I should scream into my pillow or break something or yeah. like go for a, like just run away or like it's confusion. It's chaotic. It's just, it's everybody who has ever had like, the the voice in your head that you just want to shut up that you just like you can't get it to shut up and like that's what the cacophony of that record when james is screaming uh i like not only do i not know the answer i don't even know what the question is like mm-hmm. that's such a relatable feeling and like when he's saying god why does it why does what god it feels like it always rains it only rains on me like what a relatable yeah. it gives me goosebumps to, like think about that line and the, what he must have been going through, like writing that song, and uh, that—I mean, th- again, I could talk about that record so much, like Richard could. But and Dirty Window too. On the opposite end is again, that's that's another song that's just like it's just like frenetic and unrelenting, and just when he's screaming out all the the, the words that rhyme, it's just like it feels like just like word association that's just like pure. Like I want my head to shut up. Like I can't <laughs> shut this off, and like. I'm going through some shit right now. Like that's why I yeah. love that record. Well, one of the things I agree with you, one of the things I always respected about St. Anger the most was that it's such a relentless album. And even if it's an album that, you know, the sound turns you off, even if you're, even if you're one of those people, it, it, there's no denying the fact that it's just such a relentless album. It does not let up. It's, you know, like what, 70 minutes just over. And it's just pulverizing from start to finish. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's no acoustic guitars in this album. There's no ballady type stuff. It's just very aggro, very in your face from start to finish. And in a song like My World, um, and I and I think this is sort of the case for a lot of songs in the album, they kind of master um, what I would call like simplistic complexity, where like on the surface like the my world starts and on the surface it's kind of like a a beefed up load or reload track it, it kind of comes across as like a kind of a juiced up version of a song yeah, you'd expect the, riff, that. More, the opening riff is very the 
Yeah. Very like that's a very reloady riff for sure. Yeah. It's like it's like the it's like a the 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 homeless version of of like a fuel riff or something. It's like very yeah in that vein. And the lyrics on the album, a lot of them are a lot more like on the surface than you would get from a lot of other Metallica records. I think you know, like when you hear like the motherfuckers got in my head, try to make me someone else instead. Like it, it's, I'm not knocking the lyric or anything, like that, but it's just more on the surface yeah. than you know other tracks where you're like, well, if you like go back to like load and reload, it's like so many lyrics were like it could mean this, could be that. Like it's a lot more in uh interpretive you know yeah it's more it's more in your face than it communicates the same like a it communicates something similar like freight ends of sanity like freight ends of sanity hear them calling like everyone's after me like it's the same kind of message yeah but on that song on freight ends of sanity it's a bit more like it's constructed in a bit more of a poetic way as opposed to just like this is how i'm feeling this is the simplest way to put it like it's just like it's 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 very unfiltered and what I like about My World, that was a song that the first time I heard the album, I was like, oh. And then I listened to it again. I was like, oh. And then I listened. I was like, I like this song. And now I, I really like that song. And I, it for me, like, you know, it starts off, like I said, kind of like a juiced up load reload track. Kind of yeah, seems a little bit more straightforward. Sucker, but like, then it just. Such a, that's such a reload. Yeah. Like, the attitude. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't have it. It's My World Sucker. Like, that's like yeah. the attitude thing. Totally. And it, he, he kind of goes into like that kind of like little swagger, cocky, tongue in cheek, sarcasm thing yeah. a lot on like load and reload, like a song like Prince Charming or something like that. And that kind of echoes in parts of that song, like when he says sucker. But then that song goes into so many yeah. different directions. And, and, and when you listen to it, you know, there's like when you listen to that album, it's like, oh, they're going to this odd time signature or there's a polyrhythm going on there. And, and there's just like so much to dissect. And then the album is just so ugly and i know that's i know that's the criticism it gets but i appreciate that because it's sort of like it's sort of like the some kind of monster documentary like here we are warts and all and you know it i i get the criticism against the album for sure uh there are times when i listen to it i'm like I do wonder what this would sound like with a guitar solo yeah. and, you know, like the production of Hardwired to self-destruct or the production of the black album. But then I'm like, but then it wouldn't be this album. It wouldn't. Yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, it's an album. It, you're right. It very much reflects the, 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 I mean, it, obviously the, the, some kind of monster stuff because, you know, a song like my world, like you say, it transitions into this completely different, very painful part from this kind of really swaggering kind of aggressive, part because yeah. i think look at james in the documentary like he's trying to keep it together you know he's he's projecting for a lot of it this outward veneer of like i'm okay like things are all right and we're going through you know we're, we're meeting with phil and you know and you know we're doing the best we can but i'm still projecting this kind of machismo you know outward image of myself but really deep inside like i'm suffering like i'm deeply suffering like i'm i'm going right. through you know alcoholism and i'm battling you know those demons and you know stuff's going on at home and it's so powerful when you put it in that context. Like it's such, it is such yeah. a vulnerable, honest record. And yeah, like, of course I get the criticism. There are songs on that record that I don't really listen to when I'm listening through that record. Like I I'll bypass uh, purify or shoot me again. Cause I mean, they're, I think they're just weaker songs. Like it's not a knock on, you know, on, you know, those dip in emotion or anything. I just think that those are, you know, weaker songs on the record. They're just yeah. not as well constructed. And, uh, but 
you know, I wouldn't take them off because I think that, you know, again, they're super honest and they lay bare really this deep, this deep pain that was kind of pervading, especially James Hetfield at the time. And uh, that's what's so attractive to me about that. I love the honesty. I love the vulnerability. And uh, that's why it it stands apart. And and to me, why it stands so high, because I just, I've always, I've been attracted to records like that. Yeah, I I agree with you. And, it's funny because I remember hearing that album and wondering to myself, because I've always been into, um, I've always been open to more like, I guess you would call like avant-garde stuff. Like I, uh, whether it be, you know, it kind of started with me with like Frank Zappa mm-hmm. and then uh, went from there into um, stuff like John Zorn and um, just kind of like, and, and some different like pattern projects and things like that. And when I heard St. Anger, I was kind of like, I wonder if this is like as avant-garde as Metallica would get in their career. And mm-hmm. what would it sound like if they just took a full like dive into something more avant-garde and then, uh, you know, eventually we got Lulu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's where I draw the line. I mean, uh, listen, I need your Lulu thoughts. Uh, Man, I just are there any? Yeah. What, how can I articulate it? Uh, I, I really, I mean, I'll tell, I'll say this. I don't have much to say because I, I honestly have not listened to it much since the first time I listened to it. I've never been yeah. a big Lou Reed fan, like in any capacity. Yeah, and I was already skeptical, and not skeptical, but like just like, what? How is, how is this going to work? Like, what is what? How is this going to go down? And, and listening to it, you know, it kind of, I'll put it this way, it just kind of confirmed what I thought was going to happen um, in a lot of ways. And it just, yeah, it didn't, it didn't fire on any real, on any real cylinders for me really emotionally or, 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 or otherwise, you know, so I, I, I honestly don't want, you know, I can't really give much money, much else besides that because <laughs> I haven't really listened to it much besides that first time. And I haven't really had a desire to really revisit it. I mean, I'm not sure if that makes me any less of a fan or not, but, you know, it's just something I really haven't had the desire to revisit. No, I mean, I think that's a popular uh, choice among even, like, diehard Metallica fans. For me, I think, you know, I listen to Metallica on an almost daily basis, I would say, and there's definitely not a week that goes by that I do not listen to them multiple times. And, um, but for me, like, Lulu, I probably revisit maybe once a year yeah and i'm and when i revisit it it's not something that i necessarily sit down and listen to start to finish it's kind of like i am like oh you know there's some songs i think are decent on it or they have a cool riff or Mm -hmm. it like there are parts that work for me yeah and then there are parts that um i respect it i just it it just works a little less for me but i love the fact that they did it yeah Absolutely. And, not a knock, not a knock on take again, shooting your shot, taking your chances, like yeah, working with exactly. your heroes. Like that's what it's all about. And I, I have all the respect in the world for them for, for, for taking that chance. Cause that's what, you know, you never know what could happen. That could have, it could have turned out to be like the best thing in the world. You never would have known if you didn't try it. And you know what, just by having this conversation with you, I probably am going to go back and, and listen to it. And, you know, if, if I ever, if I'm ever on again, which I, I would love to, uh, maybe we can dive deeper into that because you know yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you know what we're talking about. I'll listen to it again and kind of approach it with fresh ears. Yeah, I think like there, 
I mean, it just like just the act of doing it, like having the last song be 20 minutes long like that. Ooh. If that's not a big fuck you. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't care. I don't know what is to have. And and the song is really only like 10 minutes long. Yeah. And then the last 10 minutes is just like these droning strings. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. And that's the song many people who hate the album consider it to be the strongest song. <laughs> it's, uh... it, is, it is a very bizarre album, to say the least. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely would be curious if you revisited. I don't think your opinion so much would change. But I'd be interested to see if uh, you pick up anything new. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm going to go into it, you know, listening for. I'm definitely going to uh, really, you know, when you revisit something again, you, you will, it is inevitable that you'll pick up on, on little things, and especially me who loves to pick up on, on little, you know, parts of, of Metallica songs that yeah. kind of uh, gloss over, people gloss over sometimes. I will un- un- inevitably find find stuff to, to dig up and then discuss with you next time for sure absolutely you can you can bet on it awesome so i gotta ask what do you think has been their you know most successful experiment and their least successful experiment um you know they've done so many different things i mean even doing like i you know i guess like we forget sometimes that like fade to black was taking a chance yeah. and nothing else matters was taking a chance because i feel like we kind of take those songs for granted because there's classics now, but you know, you know, between doing things like that, doing things like, um, you know, taking chances on load and reload. Um, and even some of the covers they chose on garage Inc and, uh, playing with the symphony and everything. We just talked about St. Anger and Lulu. I'm interested to get your thoughts on all that. Yeah. But in terms of risk taking, I mean, all those are great examples, but I mean, just the transition from, from justice to the black album and it's in itself was a huge risk. I mean, how can you not yeah. say that that's their most successful? That's a great risk? point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just in listing Bob rock was blasphemous to so many hardcore. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like they didn't lose people at least for a little while from doing so, but I mean, look how it's paid. Look at the dividends it's paid for them in the end. I mean, and, you know, people come back, people came back, the fans came back because I mean, there's an ethos to Metallica that you can't shake no matter what they're doing. I mean, no matter yeah. what record they're putting out, I mean, you, it's undeniable. You can't re- you can only, you can only shy away from it for so long. And I mean, it, that, I mean, turned out to be a, a, a huge risk that paid dividends. And I mean, you know, you know, and people were, people left when, when Lars was doing, you know, talking about Napster and, you know, but he was yeah. right. I mean, he was, he was ahead of the curve and, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's a successful thing, but it's a very prophetic thing that he was kind of spearheading at the time, for sure. And uh, I think that's I find that very interesting. Both are both were periods where people were really like, you know, falling, falling away from them and then, you know, coming back later yeah. on. And in terms of like a, a least successful risk, I mean, probably probably Lulu. I mean, I would I would venture to say um I mean, man, there's so much to like. It's it's hard to really pinpoint like a least successful risk. I mean, when you're that big and that successful, I mean, there's always, you're always going to have a massive, massive audience. And it's, sure. uh, I mean, I, I guess those would be my answers. But I mean, yeah, what bigger risk to take than such a such a shift in uh, 
from from justice to the black album yeah that's a great point and there's just so many you know to get back to something you just said too like this band just keeps on like they'll take a lick and just keep on going without like missing a beat like how many bands could do think of like uh just the controversy from the black arm right so they had the black album and then they cut their hair short change up their sound they do load reload they have that whole era with garage Inc included in that and then oh we're going to end that era with the symphony yeah and then you have the whole napster controversy which i think has aged well for them yeah but at the time obviously was a huge backlash i remember being in high school and i'm just wearing metallica shirt people be like lars sucks and then i have to like defend my band you know yeah. what I'm about before like fuck you you suck Hold the shield up, the shield up. Yeah, man. yeah but then and so they took their licks then and then saint anger they took their licks then and then death magnetic came out and i think it was pretty positive but then they were like oh we'll shit on that positivity here's lulu they took their licks then but the no matter like it there's like you said people just keep coming back for this band because one i think people like a lot of that stuff more than they let on yeah two for sure two there's just you know the there's just something about this it like once you're in you're in you're in and it and it's just like all right what's next it, it, like people seem to be very willing to be like all right that wasn't for me but probably the next thing will be right. And they, they yeah. just want to hear what's next. And there's still this huge excitement surrounding a new release. I'm changing. I'm changing my answer for least successful thing to the song they did with Ja Rule. <laughs> I, I completely forget about that song, even though I've done like three podcasts about it. That tells you how good of a song it is. Yes. I, I would, I a hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing my answer. Um, that no, that right. song makes Lulu sound like master puppets. Yeah, for sure. I, I forgot about that too. And we were talking about like the Napster errors. Like there's something I'm forgetting about like that. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what I'm forgetting. You must just be able, you know, you just brush that song aside because you believe in fast cars driving 35 miles per hour down the highway. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's something, it slips my mind. It slips my mind often, but yeah, that, that came, that came rushing back to me in that moment. So yeah, had to change my answer, but yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's when you're in, you're in. And I mean, like someone like me who, who came in pretty late to the game, like, I was in at that point, like it yeah. to the point where it, it pushed, you know, I had held on to Megadeth, my Megadeth love. And I, again, I still love them. I'm not trying to knock them in any way. Like, you know, sure. Wonderful. Yeah. Great discography, uh, you know, top tier discography, but uh, Metallica just, you know, when I got in and I was, uh, when I was full on, like, I'm sorry, like you can't, it's just, you can't, I'm sorry, Dave, you know, you'll never, as much as you, you like to, to, <laughs> you still have this complex you got to work through it buddy you got to you got to work yeah. through it because i just you, think you're when just not you, gonna get there i just think when you hear the metallica catalog and then you know when you see them live you're like yeah it's so obvious why they're the biggest band because they're just they just deliver and they're so dedicated to what mm -hmm. they do and it's just such a at a high quality all the time absolutely and it, like even even like the um you know like the live show i remember i i 
you know, my wife likes them. She's not like super into it like I am, but yeah. you know, she likes them and love loves seeing them live because they put on such a good show. Yeah. And she she's like, I just don't understand how every time they play Inter Sandman, they actually look like they still enjoy it <laughs> and have fun with it. And like it's still like they act like it's like the first time they've ever played. Like there's still like enjoyment and a passion there. And I'm like, I know that's just what I man. That's the magic. Like when you when you have such a tight bond and you you love what you do. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure he says this at every concert. But I remember when the first time I saw them, which was also in 2017, that first concert in Baltimore. You know, he was like, so I guess this means we're going to be doing this for 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 30 more years, right? Like, and I believe him. Like whenever James says that, like it's not bullshit. Like you believe him because you know, in every interview that you ever read with them, he's like, you know, he he often says like, you know, we love doing this and we're going to, you know, we hope to continue on till we're, you know, we can't do it anymore till we're literally physically unable to do this. Yeah. And like, that's, that's something that comes from, you know, again, that again, the the coming through the St. Anger period and working through the issues and forming an even tighter bond. Like that's something that comes from a bond that a band that takes themselves that, that takes what they do seriously to the nth degree and has a friendship, a deep friendship that, that, you know, you're not going to tear apart so easily, you know, that's where that comes and I, from. And I think they have, you know, aged well in the sense that um, they know what works for them. And if it doesn't work, they're willing to figure out a way that does like, even the way that they tour now where, you know, they do like, two weeks on two weeks off and to be home with their family yeah. to recharge the battery. Like all that, all those decisions they've made are, is going to help them have even more longevity than they already have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know, I, I don't care, you know, how long into the future they go. I mean, I'm going to be devouring their material because, you know, it's just one of those bands that's undeniably timeless, you know? They'll they'll sound their their records will will hold up as much as when they're seventy five as much as when they're thirty five. So, totally. I mean, they are. Um, I mean, they've transcended. Where like, you know, and, and again, this is not a knock against Megadeth, but if you take a, a like an album like Rust in Peace is one of the greatest metal albums of all time. It mm-hmm. is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorite records of all time, and but there's. It, but I, I feel like that's within the genre of music and you would have a hard time debating the Rust and Pieces place with somebody who's not a metalhead. Yeah. In the in, in like the in like yeah, I don't in the history it. of like greater, pop music. Greater rock like his, yeah, I know what you're saying. Greater rock history, yeah. Yeah, like if if you were to make a list of like the top twenty albums of all time of all the artists that existed very few people outside of Melhead yeah. is going to include an album like Rust of Peace. But people will put Master of Puppets. But you could include Master of Puppets in there. You could make an argument for the Black Album. Yeah. You know, you there's there's there are albums by Metallica that have their place and I, I and I just really you know, the other bands in that category, you know, you probably that are on the heavier side, you have like Zeppelin, you have, you know, I don't even think people not metalheads would include Sabbath in there, which is a travesty because they invented the whole thing, but yeah. maybe they would. But like, I, there's probably really nobody else in the conversation for people who are not metalheads that Metallica's just been able to transcend and find their yeah. place in not just metal history, but 
pop music yeah. history, greater rock music history, greater musical just, consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that will never be duplicated by a heavy band again. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that has to do with not just their song construction and their, their penchant, their extreme talent for just like hooks, hooks upon hooks. Like they, it's, yeah. it is not fucking easy to, to, to write a great hook or it's, it's it is not easy to write a, a load or a reload record, which uh, which is some of James's most and his most I mean, and black album too is his most hooky and his most mo- vocally melodic records. It's not easy to do that, and I think I and I also think a lot of that, especially for among thrash bands and, and and you know speaking about Megadeth in particular, I think a lot of people are turned off by by Dave's voice in particular as opposed to James's voice. James has this very classic badass you know it's like lemmy it's like this classic badass yeah instantly recognizable but still like not as not as nasally or harsh as as dave's voice is so i think that appeals to a lot more people i feel like people find his voice equally badass and palatable so i think it's i agree yeah go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say it's very versatile like if you like there's not many voices in metal that can play like can that can pull off a thrash metal song and then after that pull off a ballad like nothing else matters and then sit down and play a song completely just with acoustic guitar and then do something with like a country western spin or a rockabilly spin or a blues spin or like you know he did like that acoustic cover at eddie mer at the i almost said eddie murphy (laughs) at the at the eddie money tribute concert the eddie murphy tribute concert has not happened yet maybe someday I'm just, but thinking, the... <laughs> I'm just thinking of James Hetfield doing an acoustic cover of Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. And I can't, I can't. Party All the Time. I got <laughs> to, okay, I got to stop. I hope that okay. somebody out there listening can put together a, 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 a version of Party All the Time as if Metallica Uh-oh. did it. Someone call him. Oh, crap. Oh, I can't remember his name. I, he opened, <laughs> who's, the, who's the comedian that's best friends with Metallica? Why can't I Jim remember? Brewer. Yeah, call someone called Jim Brewer. He'd do that. <laughs> That's right up his alley. He would do that in a second. Um, oh my God, too funny. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That is, I that just immediately entered my head, and I just I could I can't. Wow. <laughs> but like you know what I'm saying? Like there's not like there's there's people with you know like Halford, Dio, Bruce Dixon have these operatic, super powerful voices, amazing singers. Yeah, and but it's there's something about Hatfield that has this roughness, this power, but also this soulfulness yeah. in this uh, in this vulnerability that just a lot of metal singers yeah. don't have. And like you said, it's a little bit more classic or traditional from like a classic rock standpoint than uh, you know a voice like Mustaine's. Or it, it, it's just you know it, there's something off when Megadeth has done acoustic stuff. Yeah, and then there and it's just hard to ever picture somebody like. Tom Araya and sitting down with like an acoustic guitar yeah, as much as or I mean in his case an acoustic bass and you know it just like jamming out on you know yeah some uh some Nazareth cover or um something like that yeah. you know as much as and as much as it pains it pains me to say I mean like Dave has he's gotten considerably you know his voice has diminished in quality with age but James is really he still like sounds so good he's still just like his 
the upkeep on his voice and just how good he sounds and the the you know it really has not diminished with with age i mean sure it sounds a bit rougher and grittier at points and he he articulates things differently than he would have you know 10 15 years ago but you know there are still moments where i i get goosebumps from from his voice now like hearing the the helping hands concert uh the disc yeah. when he, when he that, that version of bleeding me is my favorite version of bleeding me because he hits that falsetto so Every time he hits so that good. falsetto on the on the chorus, it's just it's instant goosebumps. His voice sounds so Have good. Have you? I 100% agree with you. Have you heard his uh, acoustic version of "In My Life"? I have not. I have not heard that. Check it out after we're done recording and let me know what you think. He hits like the high note at the end. Um, Jam- I'm here for Hetfield falsetto. Like hashtag Hetfield like falsetto. He, I'm here. For he that. has a. Well, that's the thing. He 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 has like a surprisingly good singing voice. In, in like I, I feel like he, you know when he's become he's such an icon that he's almost like a character, uh, a character yeah, of himself, a, kind of yeah, like an Aussie. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, like Aussie. Like everybody has an Aussie impression, right? Yeah. And but like yeah. everybody has a heavy impression, like you know, like I do one at the end, right? I go yeah, yeah right? It's ooh yeah, yeah. Ooh. It, it, it it it's just as stupid as my Mustang impression, like ah, right? Like, it, it, you just take like something stupid I, I and you make it a thing. On the on the middle of your podcast, I could not stop laughing. It's the best. I love it. Oh my god, so good. But there's a lot more to his voice. Like I, I always say, there's a he's a very underrated, soulful singer, and he has a vulnerableness that I, I don't think comes across to a uh, a lot of people who just take it for what it is on the surface. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But, he's like I said, he's still on on that Helping Hands CD on on S and M too. I mean, he's he's crushing yeah. it on S and M too. He's crushing it. Outlaw, Outlaw, Unforgiven Three on yeah. Unfor- uh, on uh, S and M Two, you know, on that on Outlaw Torn, he's crushing yeah. those songs. Like he's and, and he was at his. I'm, I mean, he, arguably he's at his vocal peak on on the Load Reload era, but he's he's crushing Outlaw Torn. You know now, that many I think years he removed. Has, I think he has a better live vocal today than he had. Uh, than he had for a few years, and um, I I feel like he kind of went through a phase where he his voice was like changing as it does as you get older, and and he was like trying to find the footing, and he whatever he's done between working out his voice, and finding like what works for it now at his age, it, he's pulling it off, and he's doing things with his voice he's never done before like more falsetto type yeah. stuff like we were saying and also too like if there was a version of i i couldn't tell you where it was from or it within the last handful of years though there was a version of metal militia i saw randomly online yeah and and he's like he goes hitting, for it man like he's hitting like those yeah. higher kill them all notes you know it, it's in like the modern day like Hetfield, yeah, he goes growl, for it. I but love he's like, he goes for it. I mean, some people, like, some are, he's like, you know, hitting those high. I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah, some people are like, like they they cringe at, but I'm like, you go for it, man. Like, you, yeah, just like I, it's the it's the it's the emotion and the ethos behind it that I'm just like, just go for it, man. Like you you hit yeah. that energy. Like I'm, well, I love that. I I think when they were on Howard Stern show most recently too, they said it perfectly. Like there's just you know they. They have this 
kind of punk rock mentality where they're like, we're okay with mistakes. We're okay. Keep things a little bit loose. Like yeah. it's just about, you know, it's about the attitude. It's about uh, everything else. It, it, like, yeah, they're tight musicians. And I, and I think that's really important when you, they play certain songs, especially like a battery, like yeah, should be like super tight. And, but, and they are tight musicians, so it's not a problem. Yeah. But there is like also this feeling where, like they could be playing something and it could just completely go off the tracks at any time, you know? And, yeah. and I kind of like that. Like I remember I saw them on um, summer sanitarium 2003, right after St. Anger came out. And it was like, I think, I think I saw them on the first date of the tour. Um, so they were, you know, they broke out a couple St. Anger songs, including the track St. Anger. Yeah. And they were playing at whatever tempo Hatfields was like running out of breath, like, you know, singing the words and you could tell like it was just a little bit under rehearse or, or whatever. And after the, uh, after the, you know, they finished, Hatfield was just like, well, that's a harder song to <laughs> sing than I thought it was. And they just kind of keep on moving, you know, like it's just, he, he acknowledged like his yeah. little mishap, it, but you know what? The next night, I'm sure he didn't make that same mistake, you yeah, know, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, I didn't go to this show, but I mean, it's the same thing with like, uh, Blackened is my favorite Metallica song of all time. That, that will never change. I don't think that will ever change. I think it's always going to be my number one on my top ten Metallica song list. It's a um, good number one. Yeah. Uh, I watched when they played. I think it was because I was watching. I was like, devouring all the videos from the the Worldwide tour, the first show that I was at the stadium, the stadium ones. Um, yeah. Uh, and I was watching the one from Detroit where they played they they played Blackened for their first song of the encore with the one that was the rotating slot. That they would go between yeah. like battery and fight fire and and black and spit, or maybe maybe, right. they didn't, maybe they didn't do spit until yeah they didn't do spit until London that's right so that would have been after, um, but they were playing black and then he like something goes out on his guitar, and it's just like you hear it ring you hear it like ring out and he's just like you know he's like reaching back and like trying to like adjust the chord and like trying to get himself together but he's just like fucking he's nailing the the vocal part all the way through and like yeah I mean yeah he's not chugging along he's not chugging along he's not really playing the riff. But, I mean, it still sounds great because, like, they're so tight they can pick each other up. And even when something like that yeah. happens, like, they're right in the pocket no matter, like, what goes down. Like, And, yeah, you're right. you gotta you got to be real tight on, on stuff. Like, you know, you can't play one loosey-goosey. you got to be real, yeah. real, real tight on that one. But, you know, they're such professionals that even when something does happen like that, you know, it, they sound great regardless because they're just they, – yeah. they have that – you know, they're, they're looking at each other. They're, they know, like, what's going on. And even if there's a technical issue like that, they're the rest of them are picking it up. So uh, it's a testament to them and their, you know, the bond that they've they've had for so long. Without a doubt. While we're on the subject of, uh, you know, Metallica live shows, do you have a favorite personal memory? Yes, I do. So I'm going to launch into this story. So, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, the I, I'm not going to discount the. I, here's the thing. I think I enjoyed. The first, my first show was that for my first Metallica concert of all time was that Worldwide show in, in Baltimore, uh, the first show of that leg, and it was a pretty, it was a pretty standard Metallica set list. Like there really weren't any surprises. Yeah. Um. Uh. So like, they varied but, things a little bit less on this past Worldwide yeah. tour. So, but here's the thing: I loved it just because it was my first. You know, I was sure, it, yeah. it, I popped my cherry. It was it was my <laughs> first Metallica show, and I was there with my buddy we had a blast and it was outside. I love outdoor concerts. Um, yeah. Perfect day for it too. Perfect weather. 
And we just were, it was unabashed fun. But my favorite memory is the second, I've only seen Metallica twice. And it was the second time was in Buffalo, uh, also on Worldwired in the arena in, in, for, in the Key Bank, Key Bank Center. Um, and it starts all the way back in 2009 when, when Metallica last played in Buffalo on the World Magnetic Tour. And they came through. And I remember, I didn't go because, again, I didn't really care about Metallica as much at the time. And my dad saw, you know, there was a big write-up about them in the Gusto and, or in the Buffalo News somewhere. About, about And Jeff Myers, who's the big music critic there, was reviewing it. My dad took, yeah. my, my dad had the paper open and he saw it and he looked at it and he said, you know what, Chris, I wouldn't mind seeing them one day. I never forgot that. I remember, <laughs> I remember saying, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them one day. All right, so we're, fat, we're, we're, we're turning the, the clock ahead to 2018, June... Uh, what day, what days Father's Day's in June? So yeah, it would have been June twenty eighth. Yeah, my local radio station back in Buffalo. I say my local my local radio station, but it's the radio station back in Buffalo, one zero three three The Edge. <laughs> um, they were having a contest called Dad Talica, where you and your, <laughs> you could, you could win tickets for Father's Day. Uh, you and your dad could win tickets to go see Metallica in, in, at for, at KeyBank Center in Buffalo. And so how it worked was, you you know, you go on the website, you fill out the form, you know, you randomly select it. And if you get chosen, uh, you get picked for a trivia, a trivia contest. But how it works is your dad gets asked the Metallica trivia questions and he has to answer. Them. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? It's a shot again, shooting my shot. I, I, I had some contacts with the radio station, but I don't want to say that that's what got me picked. But I got picked. Like I, I, I filled out the form, That's awesome. and like I got picked for this radio contest. My dad and I, and so I was like, "All right, Dad, you cannot screw this up. Like, read the wicked. I don't care what you, what it takes. Hit the books. I don't care what you do. <laughs> at least just read the Wikipedia page. Just to, at least read the Wikipedia page. Just do that for me, please. Just do. Just just put put a little work in because I really want to go see Metallica with you. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, so sure enough. They're like, all right, expect our call this time tomorrow morning or this time in the, in the morning in this on this day. So I yeah. get the call. My dad is at work because my, my dad's suddenly retired, but he's one of those guys that can't stay uh, not busy. He's he works like an yeah. odd. He does like odd jobs for like the town of the town of East Aurora where I'm from. So he was working for like the town at the time, like cutting the grass or something with, with uh, for the town <laughs> or something. And he was he was at his job, but he was ready like. And there was luckily there was a guy with him that he was working with who's a who's a big metalhead, who was like helping him and psyching him up. So they call him and they're like they're like uh, uh, they're like Dad how, Paul how are you my dad's name is Paul and they're like I heard you know, Chris said you, you took him to his first Megadeth concert is that true and he's like yeah I did and they did all the intro and he's like okay so we're gonna we're gonna jump in here and the, if I can remember the three questions there were three questions there were three for him and one for me. And the three for him, the first one was, there was it, they turned out to be kind of like stupid questions. Like one was like, who was the band member that Metallica fired in 19, you know, before they recorded Kill Em All? Dave Mustang? Dave Mustaine? Or like, it was stupid <laughs> shit like that. It was stupid answers yeah. like that. But he, he knew that one. David he, Copperfield. He, yeah, he, he knew that one Dave. because he, he took me to Megadeth. And I talked about Megadeth all the time growing up. Yeah. Because I had that thing. So he nailed that one. And the third, the, the second one was, um, uh, what biblical event is creeping death referencing? And I was like, oh shit, like, is he going to get this one? And, uh, <laughs> and 
luckily for him, like, don't don't tell the radio station, but luckily the guy who was on the phone next to him, because he was like, okay, I need time to think about it. And then he looked at the guy next to him. The guy was like, out of all the answers, he was like, okay, what what is it? And he, the guy told him that it was that it was it was Moses and the the flight out of Egypt and the the plagues and everything. So he 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 got that answer because of luckily of that guy. <laughs> and I don't remember what the last question was. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. But my question wasn't pertaining to Metallica at all. It was some random something about Motown. Weirdly enough, they asked me a question about like Motown. Oh, they're like the four tops is 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 what is it a motown band is it like a diner or, i don't even remember what it was so i like i was like it's a motown band so but i but, but so random. yeah random as hell but sure enough we won like you know we got the tickets That's we got awesome. the questions right and uh it was a it was a concert in 10 years in the making because i never forgot Amazing. that time my dad said you know chris i'd go see them with you like i'd go to that concert yeah. and i made it happen and we got really good, pretty good seats and had a blast. I heard, you know, this, this set list was a bit more interesting because they played Leper Messiah, which oh, was nice. super, which was super cool to hear. That's one of my favorite yeah. songs off of Master of Puppets. Um, so just a really, I, I was a little disappointed the second time around because I was really hoping to hear Blackened in that, in that first rotating encore slot or, or Spit. I would have loved to hear Spit, but they played, they pretty much, the, the concert was exactly the same as the one from Baltimore, except for in Baltimore, they played Fuel, uh, Hit the Lights, and uh, Fade to Black. And in Buffalo, they played Leper Messiah, Creeping Death, and Four Horsemen. Those were the only changes. Nice. Yeah. And they but they played Battery both times in that slot. And so I was a little, I love and again I love Battery. It's that song on Rock Band that I played all the time. But right. Blackened is my favorite Metallica song, and I still haven't heard them play it live. And I would have loved to have heard them play it. Um, but I had a blast with my dad. It was tons of fun i was just really it was a bit emotional just to to know that i remembered that all those years ago like a decade ago that he had said that and here i was finally kind of like living it and making it happen uh a decade later and i wrote about actually wrote about in the paper and i titled the the piece uh the father's day that never comes (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that is a really great story what so what did your dad think of the show loved it like he's like man those guys just have like so much energy and like he's yeah. not a big metal fan. He's not like a big like, aggressive metal fan at all. But like, yeah. He, again, Metallica. Like you were saying, Metallica has that magnetic, everlasting kind of universal quality. Right, I said death magnetic. Yeah, we're, yeah, but... death magnetic. <laughs> we're, we're circling it back. We're bringing it back around to the beginning. But it had that quality where he's like, man, those guys of energy. Like that was awesome. Like it was such a good time, and he had a blast. We talk about it all the time. Like I, I will often awesome. say, like, man, remember when we went to the Metallica concert? How awesome it was together. And uh, yeah, it, it was a blast, and I'm just really blessed that I got to see it with my dad, and uh, that we got to do it all those years later after we first uh, mentioned it. I think that is the perfect story to end this episode, Chris. It has been so great having you on. You are welcome back anytime. Um, you know, you have uh, if you ever want to beat Richard S. He, you have uh, <laughs> you have about you know, uh, looks like. 23 more 20, hours to go 22 <laughs> hours to go so I, uh, I got a little bit to go but yeah man this was a blast please i would love to come back i mean whenever you need me like i would love to to to, to talk metallica with you awesome man. yeah for sure and also there's something i want to ask you after after you end recording uh there is something sure. i want to ask you personally too if you don't mind sure no problem at all is, is there anything you want to plug uh, 
yeah you know uh, obviously distorted sound yeah but... please please check out distorted sound like those guys are super hard working we really work really hard to put out a really great product and we're really trying to get more eyes on the on the magazine you know a lot of people that that write for us they write for metal hammer they've written for rock cool, sound yeah. they've written for Kerrang. So you're getting like really good quality pieces awesome. if you if you love great metal writing that you've read probably in any any of those magazines um i'm the only american writer too which is kind of funny they're all english, <laughs> english friends of mine um but if you love any of those magazines please check out distorted sound because they've all a lot of those guys have written for those big publications and we we really they bust their ass and really do great work so you'll see some really cool stuff there so please check that out Um, and sick and sound too alexandra does a great job it's a much smaller operation but she works really hard to get great interviews and great pieces too um so she's really great and um yeah uh if anybody's interested in my in my stuff uh yeah. Just search my name. Search my name on Google like I did, and you'll you'll find some of my stuff. I would love to hear if anybody's interested to to read my thoughts on Saint Anger or read my thoughts on you know any of the bands I've interviewed out throughout the years. Please type my name in and read. Check, give me a read, and hit me up. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Awesome. You know what I'll do is uh, I'll definitely include some links in the episode description to. Uh, uh, hopefully the St. Anger piece as well as Distorted Sound. Um, and so please check out uh, Chris's work. And uh, it, can they find you on social media? Yep, I am at uh, I am on Twitter at risk with a K. So that's R-I-S-K, like the word risk, with W-I-T-H, uh, A, little lowercase A, and then capital K. Because it's a play on my, I always, people always said like your name is, is I always joke, uh, my name is risk, but it's rearranged. Chris, so I say, so my, my Twitter handle is at risk with a K. So R I S K with, uh, and then capital K at the end, risk with a K. Awesome. And uh, so uh, please... I'm on Facebook too, at, at Chris Keelick too. So much less exciting, but I am on Facebook there. I do not have an, inst- I, I, I technically do have an Instagram, but I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram. So Twitter yeah. and Facebook are the best places to find me. Awesome. So please follow Chris on Facebook and Twitter and check out Distorted Sound Magazine, distortedsound.com, as well as, uh, you know, be a creep. Google him, see what comes up. Absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no harm from, from creeping on yourself on Google once in a while. you you got to be a Google creep every now and again. I mean, you got to know the impact you made in the world. Remember, exactly. shoot your shot, people. Do it. You can, you can do whatever you set your mind to. Just shoot your shot, man. That's what I should call this episode. Shoot your shot with Chris Keelick. Shoot your shoot, You have to punt it, punt it with shoot me again. Like do something with shoot me again to shoot your shot. <laughs> shoot your shot again. I don't know. You'll think of it. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. This nope, was awesome. No problem, Brandon. Thank you. A huge thank you to Chris for coming on Metallicast. Please check out the links in the episode description to both Distorted Sound magazine as well as the piece Chris wrote about Saint Anger. I am hoping he makes his Metallicast return sooner rather than later. And speaking of Saint Anger and speaking of returns, our resident Saint Anger expert music journalist Richard Hesse makes his grand return to Metallicast. And guess what? 
Metallicast is those returning to being live on Facebook and YouTube this Friday, October 23rd. Richard and I will be having a spooky Halloween live stream that I am, because I am so clever, calling Metallicast Alive. So please tune in to that. Any other information you need can be found on my social media. So follow me on there at Metallicast Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you can support the show, please subscribe, download, leave a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can find Metallicast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music now. And of course, our home site, fansonexperts.com. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, middle up your ass. Yeah! Fans not experts.